All right, welcome to episode two of the Three Things Podcast. This is the show where we talk about life three things at a time. My name is Adam, and if this is your first episode, I'm glad that you are listening. In episode one, we talked about what are the three movies you watch more than any other. Had tons of great feedback. Super thankful for everybody who listened. Um, got lots of good ideas for future episodes. But I'm excited about today's episode. In this episode, we are talking about what are your three favorite national parks that you have visited. And I did not plan this, but it is actually National Park Week when I'm recording this right now, which is perfect that that lines up for us because I think I've got a great conversation with my friend John McCarty, who for the past year has been traveling with his family around the country. He's got a really cool story. I think you're going to enjoy it. But before we get to John, I just wanted to point out a couple things related to national parks. Um, Like I said, it's National Park Week right now, and they are celebrating the 100th anniversary of the national park system in the United States, which some have called America's best idea. There are actually 59 national parks in the United States, and the Park Service would actually tell you that there are over 400 different parks, preserves, territories, forests, things like that, that the Park Service protects and manages, but there are only 59 national parks, and those parks are visited by over 300 million people every single year. And like I said, it is National Park Week. What does that mean? It means that national parks are free to get into this week. So if you live near a national park, I give you permission to stop listening right now and just head out right now, go to a park, enjoy the great outdoors, or download the podcast and listen to it while you're walking through the forest. Um, But also, if you didn't know, this year, fourth graders and their families get into national parks for free. It's part of a uh, national initiative being pushed out by the White House to get people outdoors and into the national parks. So if you are have a fourth grade kid in your family, take advantage of that. I actually, in searching around the internet for things about national parks, came across this really cool map that uh, sort of outlines what's the closest national park to you based on where you live. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes so that you can see that map and find the nearest one to you. And then the last thing I'll mention is that if you can't get to a national park this week or if you're just longing for uh, some beautiful views without all of the hard work of hiking um, or backpacking out, Google Street View and the Cultural Institute at Google is a great resource. They've put together a page that I'll link to as well. And they can take you into the great outdoors right from the comfort of your couch. So check those things out in the show notes after you are finished listening to this episode. Usually most people wouldn't change the format of a brand new podcast in episode two, but uh, we sort of had to this episode. My interview with John, he is traveling, uh, like I said, throughout the country right now, and we sort of had limited time and limited uh, quality internet connection. So you're going to hear a little bit of audio um, fuzz. It's not the best audio, but it's okay. It's only the second episode, so I trust that you'll forgive me. Um, but also because of the time constraints, we didn't get a chance to go through my list. So what I'm actually going to do is tell you one of my three favorite national parks right now, and then hang out through the interview. And afterwards, I'll share the other two for you. So for me, When it comes to national parks and and how I decide what are my favorites, um, I've actually been to 10. Very fortunate as a kid to do a lot of traveling with my families and get out into uh, the vastness of the United States. And so of the 10, I've sort of narrowed it down to three. And, you know, one of those three, I would say, is definitely Rocky Mountain National Park. I think it's probably the national park that I've been to the most. My first trip out there 
was when I was in late elementary school, middle school with a family vacation. And I have one distinct memory from that trip where we were driving through the mountains one day and it happened to be my dad's birthday in the middle of July. We were all wearing shorts and it was bright and sunny and beautiful out. And we stopped and had a snowball fight on top of a mountain, which is a pretty unique thing for a kid from Indiana to be able to do, have a snowball fight in the middle of the summer. Uh, it was super fun. Love having that memory. Fast forward shortly after I'd met my wife, who was not my wife at the time. Um, she moved to Estes Park in Colorado and lived there for the summer. And I flew out to visit her at one point. And so we spent some time together in Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, so that's a, a really cool thing. And so several trips out there just love the mountains. They're just incredible views. And it's just something that, that never, ever gets old for me being able to be in the mountains and to look at them. So that's one of my three. Be sure to stick around after the interview and hear what the other two are on my list of three things when it comes to favorite national parks. So without any further delay, here is our conversation. All right, John McCarty, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I am well as well. Um, so we're going to just jump right into things. Uh, the topic for today's podcast, what we're talking about is the three favorite national parks that you have been to. Uh, but before we get to the list, I want to hear a little bit and share with everybody a little bit of your story, sort of where you grew up, where you've lived. Um, and then you've sort of been on a really interesting journey for the last year. And I want to hear more about that, but start out with where, where'd you grow up and, and where have you lived over the course of your, of your 30 some years? Sure. Yes, 30-some. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I was born in Los Angeles. I lived there until I was like five and moved to Phoenix for a couple of years, uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale, Arizona. And then uh, I kind of like, if you ask me where I grew up, I'll usually say Washington, D.C. or Northern Virginia, because I lived there from when I was eight until I was 16. Uh, and then we moved to San Diego, so cross country. Kind of was there for high school and college, met my wife there, got married there started my career there. See, we were in San Diego for a while. Then I got a job in LA, um, which then took me to San Francisco and did the whole startup tech scene for a little while. And then moved to the, the next logical step, which is Oklahoma, um, for about, uh, lived there for about four years, uh, had an awesome job there. Um, and, and that's where we met. Yeah, that's, that's where we met. Yeah. So yeah, so before we jump into the next next season of life, because that's what I think where it gets um, really interesting, especially related to our topic today, mm. um, how do you feel like having lived in on both coasts essentially has impacted the way that you um, just have a sense of a desire to travel and go places? That's interesting. I think um, I've never thought of it that way. Um, I think part of it certainly has been since we've moved around a lot, um, we never really owned a house growing up. So we moved all the time because we were renting. And, um, and so there was part of me that I think kind of got used to, you know, I'd be in one place or one school or one house for like two years and we'd move. And I almost kind of got used to it to the point where I looked forward to, okay, all right, well, you know, I've seen everything there is to see here. Let's go to the next place. And I, and I, I know that that's definitely not my wife's bringing up. And so, you know, <laughs> how much of that is, you know, just kind of innate, how much of that is just my personality and how much of that is us moving around a lot. We, we actually went on a trip to uh, the UK um, when we'd been married about two years and, you know, she'd never had a passport. She'd never been east of the Mississippi. She, you know, all kinds of things. And it was like, it was so exciting to, to experience these things and go new places and meet new people and, and bring her along and, and kind of 
very um, Aladdin-esque, you know, showing her the world. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just made an Aladdin, a Disney I, Aladdin uh, reference. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. Um, my wife has changed on this too. Like, I think my wife, you know, when we get into what we're doing now, I think you know she was kind of the the instigator of wanting to see more of the world and wanting to not get stuck in a rut. And so she's changed on that quite a bit as well. So, but really, you guys had bought a house, swimming pool, yard, the whole nine yards, and late 2014. Like you said, Aaron um, was sort of an instigator, but sort of sort of walk us through sort of how you made the decision to go into a new season of life and, and what that's looked like for you guys in the last year. Sure. Yeah, we, um, sure. I think, uh, like, maybe, early, I don't know, maybe early 2014, we, we had, and I think you and I kind of shared this, we were both going through kind of um, looking at not so much like hardcore minimalism, but like, Definitely mm-hmm. a sense of I'm I'm I have way too much crap in my house. I think that's just something that happens <laughs> right. when you have kids, maybe. But um, exactly. I started reading Joshua Becker. I think probably on your suggestion, just started reading some of his blog posts and like. I also think the culture we were living in there, both of us, was you know was a very debt free culture. It was it was a what are your needs kind of culture. And so mm-hmm. I, I you know I looked at this house that we bought. I looked at all this furniture that we had just purchased um, on loan um, and. You know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really being, I'm being surrounded by all the things that I either owe money on or I have to upkeep. You know, this, this pool was awesome because, you know, we'd come from San Diego, my kids were fish and I want to get a pool. And now it's like, crap, I got to take care of this thing constantly. <laughs> I have to spend all this money on yeah. this thing. And uh, so basically what it, what it came down to at the beginning of it was just feeling like we were being surrounded by our stuff. And, and, you know, my mother-in-law would fly out to, to visit and she would spend like her first two days there reorganizing and spending money on going to target and buying all these organizational supplies for my kids toys that mo- most of which they didn't even play with. And so I just kind of, Aaron and I both got to this point where it was like, all right, enough's enough. Like let's stop spending money on organizational supplies and actually just get rid of some <laughs> of the stuff they don't use anymore. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of really like the the genesis of this whole thing. And Aaron, actually my wife, she she was starting to feel a little bit restless, and it was it felt it was weird to me because the the whole kind of intention, not the intention, but one of the I felt like buying a house and settling down was like, okay, we've moved around enough. My poor wife needs to be settled, and she needs to make a home. And so we purchased this home, and then nine months later, she comes to me and says. I don't know. This is, I don't, I don't know if I want to be here forever. And it was, it was kind of a, a, a bomb drop. And, um, and so we started talking about that and try you know, basically we were both kind of feeling the same thing. Like we were kind of stuck in a rut. Um, we were both going, you know, she was working nights as a nurse and, um, the kids, you know, are both or our oldest was in, was in school at the time. And, and, uh, and we just felt like, you know, we, we were working Monday through Friday and then Saturday was just fixing all the stuff around the house. And then maybe Sunday we would take a nap and watch football. And there, <laughs> there was just this, and then repeat, you know, and it just felt like we were kind of stuck in this rut. At this point in the story, Erin is actually at home and she's going through these videos about minimalist living and urban gardens and, and building gardens and swimming pools and these kinds of things. And she comes across a video that she actually tells John she doesn't want him to see because she is, well, she knows him well enough to know that he's going to see it and it's going to change everything. But eventually they sit down and they watch it together. And it's a story of this family who is actually going around the country traveling in an Airstream and doing it with kids the same age or similar ages as John and Aaron's kids. So this puts them into a a mode of just searching and trying to discover 
is this what's next for our family? They spend time talking about it with one another and considering what it would look like. And John actually hops on Instagram and Twitter, starts following families who are doing this. One family actually ends up coming through Oklahoma City, where John and Aaron lived, and he actually discovers that they're going to be in Oklahoma City. So he begs and pleads and does whatever he needs to do in order to, to grab a cup of coffee with the husband of this family. And they sit down, and John is actually able to ask a ton of questions about parenting and homeschooling and working on the road and what does it take. And as you'll hear, this actually was a pivotal moment in their lives. And um, and then it was like, I think we could actually pull this off. And so... Um, and uh, I was going through kind of a job change where I was and, and um, decided to start looking for a remote job, something that I could take on the road with me. And a month later, I had gotten a, a, a new job uh, with a company that would let me work remote. Basically, wherever I could find internet, I could work. And so we started making plans and it was kind of scary and, and exciting at the same time. And then fast forward about three or four months later, and we had sold our house that we had owned for a year and a half. And bought a big old pickup truck, which is not me at all, <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> a, a fifth wheel trailer, and and hit the road. So we've been on the road for a little over a year now, maybe about a year and a week, and um, gone to I don't I don't know how many states, but basically toured through the the western half of the U.S., trying to see as many national parks and national monuments as we could, and trying to um, show our kids a little bit of the world and, and just, mm -hmm. you know, for, for however long this lasts, um, explore and, and, uh, see new places. So I love it. It's been so much fun to watch from a distance. Um, cause I don't know that I'd ever have the courage to do what you're doing, but I love to watch, uh, and sort of live vicariously through you. Um, and I'll include in the um, show notes, um, ways people can find you, um, uh, online cause you've written about this and you've talked on some other podcasts sort of about your guys' journey. Um, but part of that journey, like you said, has been visiting national parks and getting out, but uh, let's, let's get to the list. Let's jump straight in. Yeah. Um, so list your three favorite national parks that you've been to and okay. these don't have to be in order you don't have to put them in one two three if you don't want to but um i'm <laughs> really curious to hear what you've got here for so sure. i think I'll, I'll go i'll go chronologically how about that the one that might be my favorite it's hard to hard to say um is yosemite so yosemite is is one of those places where i you know, we so we went from LA to San Francisco, and I'd never been to Yosemite before. Um, I found uh, some friends at a, uh, a rock climbing gym, and and they were going to go out to Yosemite for the weekend. And so I, I hitched a ride with them and drove out there, and we camped on just on the outside of the western entrance of the park because um, all the campgrounds were full. And we stayed in this little national forest site. It was literally like we just kind of drove down this dirt road into the forest and then pulled over and everyone slept on the ground. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I never experienced that. Like I brought my tent and my sleeping bag and I was all ready to go. And like these guys basically just slept on the ground and mm -hmm. cooked whatever they had over the fire and woke up in the morning and went climbing. And I think driving down into the valley st is still one of the most amazing, most beautiful views for me. You you know you cat you first catch your glimpse of the valley and you think that's it, and you go oh my gosh this is beautiful these big towering you know rocks on either side of this valley, and and you're you you haven't really even seen the view yet um, you still have a couple miles to go down the down the road, and then you get the the tunnel view which is um, that you you see um, Half Dome and you see El Capitan and mm -hmm. it's just it's breathtaking um, and. And so that place, I think for me, uh, you know, I went there the, the, the year, the one year that we lived in San Francisco, we went to 
we went there five times. I went twice in the spring, once in the summer, <laughs> and then I think two more times in the fall. And then the, the following year, um, I think I, t- I brought it to the return trip with Ava, my oldest daughter, yeah. just her and I, which is really fun. Um, so I've been there a couple of times all, you know, I've never really, like, they've all been like weekend trips or like maybe half, half sure. of a week or something like that. I've been up there just myself. I've been there with my family. I've been there with um, other families. I went in the summertime with a couple other families. The only downside to, to the valley is the summertime, frankly. Like if you're going to go to Yosemite, I would highly, highly, highly recommend off season. So what you get in the spring is the snow melt. And so all of the waterfalls that oh, the waterfalls. is famous for, yeah. they are they go crazy. I think <laughs> my favorite memory of Yosemite is bouldering. Uh, a rock climbing right near um, uh, Bridal Veil Falls, which is a beautiful waterfall. Doesn't get as much uh, attention as Yosemite Falls. But it, um, we were rock climbing, and I just kept hearing this. Every couple of minutes, I hear this big boom, and it, the ground would shake a little bit. And I, you know, being from Southern California, I was like, is that, a, is that an earthquake? And, and somebody looked over at me and said, no, it's it's uh, the ice coming off of the waterfall. So there's these huge sheets of ice that were flowing over the <laughs> edge of the waterfall and crashing in the valley below. Wow. And it was just, it was, it was beautiful and amazing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it in the summertime, but man, the springtime, there's no, almost nobody there. And uh, you can get a great, we had a campsite right along the river, along the Merced there. And I think it's called North Pines. And I camped outside on purpose just so I could hear the water at night. And it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. So that's, that's chronologically and possibly uh, at the top of my list is Yosemite. Nice. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay. Number two, what's up? Number two, I think we'll go again chronologically for sheer, I think diversity. I think Yellowstone is, is, is in the top three. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we got there early in the season, maybe about a week or two before school let out. Um, and it was at first we were, you know, the, the crazy part about it for us was you look on the map and you realize how stinking big Yellowstone is. It's massive. Yeah. And, yeah. And then you start driving it and you're like, we're still like, we entered the park an hour ago and we're still not <laughs> close to our campsite, which is on the yeah. Southern edge of Yellowstone. Um, exactly. It's massive. So, yeah. And, and so when we first pulled in, we were staying at an RV park in fishing bridge, which is basically, if you look at the roads in Yellowstone, it's a big figure eight. And so it's on the like Southern edge of the figure eight. We pulled in, and uh, at the time we had this really big trailer, which we've since downsized from. And uh, but this RV park was a, you know, it's a state run, or it's not state run. It's like it's part of it's inside the the national park, and it was like sardines. I mean, we were just packed in there. And we had just come from the Tetons, where we had camped up in the national forest, and there was nobody around, and it was beautiful. And now we're just like slammed in next to each other. So our first experience was like, I don't know what I like this whole Yellowstone thing. And then we started driving around, and I think just just the sheer amount of things to see, you know, we got uh, the, what's called the Yellowstone traffic jam, which is uh, bison crossing the road. You know, like our, our first our first day, we were driving up to go see um, some geothermic stuff, and and we had to stop. And there's you know bison running across the road, and little baby bison because it's still June, and um, and it was it was unbelievable. And then. I think you know the next morning we pulled over because there was some uh, some moose uh, up on this little hill, and we got out of the car with our binoculars and and watched them for a little while. And you know these weren't even those weren't the things we were there to see. We were there to see you know these mud pots and these glaciers and not glaciers uh, geysers. geysers. <laughs> um and uh, and we were pulling over to see this all this wildlife. And um, so, but then you know we go and we we went to the western side. Um, and saw Old Faithful and saw Grand Prismatic 
And, you know, right about that time, you could, I think, especially on the western side of the park is where they get a lot of tourists that come, they you know, bus them in from West Yellowstone. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so that gets kind of crazy because the parking lots are nuts. And we weren't even there in the peak season. So, again, it kind of suffers a little bit from, like, a lot of people, um, which can dr- kind of drive you crazy if you're, like, we were walking along the, this is boardwalk, basically, that, that takes you through all these geysers um, and then past Grand Prismatic. And um, there's signs everywhere that says, don't get off the path, don't get off the boardwalk, because the, the, right. the way that the ground is there, it's a crust. And if you step in the wrong spot, you fall through the crust and basically boil your leg <laughs> boil to death yes yeah and so like and people are like, like hopping off taking pictures and you're just like oh my <laughs> gosh so eventually i started having to yell at people i was that guy who's like telling people to get <laughs> off i think my favorite was actually at old faithful um we went there one day and saw that and and basically all the water spits up in the air and then it runs down this little creek and it runs under the boardwalk where everyone watches it and um and this guy decided he was gonna lean over and get a like cup full of water and, and drink it. And it's like, it's, it's really bad for you. Really, really bad. Oh for my you. gosh. And Seriously. Also, it's really hot. So <laughs> he's bending over and I'm about <laughs> to say something. And thankfully there's a ranger there, you know, and you know, yelled at him and she's like, you could like, technically you could do it without me looking, but it will mess you up really bad. And um, so anyway, that was, that was kind of funny. But yeah, I think just from the sheer like amount of things to see and do there, I mean, we didn't even really even scratch the surface. So we left Yellowstone and we went up into Montana. And then my my final on my list is going to be Glacier. I think when we again when we first pulled into Glacier, I was kind of underwhelmed. Uh, again, I had just come from <laughs> the Tetons and Yellowstone, so I kind of had a, <laughs> a high a high bar. So we had booked um, two weeks at this campground on the western entrance of Glacier. And of course, now it's been so long that the name of the lake escapes me. I think it's McDowell. And we were, we're just on the north side of the lake. And it was pretty cool. Like, you know, again, <laughs> I think we spent the first we so a lot of the old national parks were WPA projects, right? And not right. the parks, but like the campgrounds inside the parks were WPA projects. So like where people parked their all their, you know, their cars and their tents and that kind of stuff. So you hmm. have to understand that like in the 30s, people didn't have these big tow behind trailers. Right. And so a lot of the, (laughs) the, the, the sites and a lot of the turns inside are really not meant for towing these big old trailers. Mm -hmm. And this was actually the last straw for us before we sold this trailer because it was too big for us. But like we tried to back into this, this site for like 30 minutes. They They had to like shut down traffic into the loop. Aaron and I almost got a divorce. We were like, we were so frustrated put back into this thing. <laughs> we finally got situated. And then it was like, yay, National Park. Oh my gosh, I want to take a nap. You know, it was like, so that was our very first experience with Glacier. And so it was kind of a downer. Um, and to see all the stuff that Glacier really has, you have to start driving up. It's called going to the Sun Road. And it goes up and over this pass and then down to the eastern side. And that was, you read the history of that road and it getting built. And when you drive on it, it's, it's insane that anybody built anything because it's basically <laughs> hanging off this cliff. And there's a couple spots where it's so narrow, you know, we've got this big old Ford F-250 truck and we're driving up this road and, you know, there's another big truck coming and you have to like stop and kind of, because the road at some points is just too, too narrow. And again, it was built you know, a long time ago. And so it wasn't built for big trucks and that kind of thing. So, but you start driving up this road and you start catching these glimpses of these just incredible peaks and you're looking down the valley back down towards the lake and it's just amazing. 
Um, there's a couple spots on the, on the drive where, you know, you can pull over and take some pictures. And I think I've got some of those pictures on my Instagram feed too. You can look at that, but they're just beautiful. There's one spot where we're coming back down where it's called uh, the weeping wall. And so there's this, um, this, this part where they basically, you know, they carved into the mountains for the road. And so it's this flat, you know, granite wall. Um, and then there's basically like a, a stream that's pouring over it. And so we, we, I've got a video of it somewhere. I don't think I posted it, but like I rolled down the windows on the passenger side and I drove as close as I could and just doused my wife and my kids. And they were just giggling and laughing the whole time. It was just really cool. Um, <laughs> and you awesome. get to the top um, there's a visitor center at the very top and you can walk to what's called hidden Lake, um, which is really pretty. There's still some snow up there. And um, then you drove down the other side. There's, what's so cool about it is you just, you drive like a couple miles down the road and there's another pullout and another pullout and another pullout. And there's, hmm another waterfall to see or another, um, uh, you know, trail to take to another lake. And it's just, there's so many cool places that you can day trip to. You know, we went to one spot where there's this river that flows down. Uh, I think it's called St. I think it's called St. Mary's waterfall. Um, and we, we, when we first walked up to it, it was really pretty. And there was this, like this spot where all the water kind of pooled at the bottom before, you know, flowing away. Well, like, I wonder if I could go swimming in that. Oh, it's probably dangerous. And, I'm going to be on that the story of like the dad that takes his kids to Glacier. And then I guess, I, so the, the number one cause of death in Glacier is people drowning because the water is so cold. People will just hop in and think that they can swim and oh. they get swept away because the they currents just, are actually oh, really wow. strong. And then they get, they just, it's so cold. They get hypothermic and drown. And so, wow. Yeah, so I read all of this going into the park, and I'm like, no, so I'm looking down at this pool of water, and I'm like, I'm not going to get in that thing. And then, so we hiked up, we went to another waterfall and came back, and by the time we got back, it had, it had gotten hotter in the day, and there was like 20 people standing over, the, over this bridge and jumping into the water one at a time, and you could see them get swept <laughs> down the river, and then they'd swim out of the current and go up and, and, and do it again. And uh, and I was like, oh, that looks like so much fun, but like, you know, the, the kids are getting tired, and... And we should probably get back to the car and we, we walk about a hundred yards. And again, just shocking for, for my wife who, who isn't, is it normal? I'm usually the one that's pushing to go do crazy things. And we get like a hundred yards right. on the path and she stops me and she goes, I want to go jump off that bridge. And I was like, are you serious? And she said, yeah, I want to go jump off that bridge. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. we, we turned around and walked back and we didn't have swim, you know, we just kind of stripped down and I had, I had some, some waterproof shorts that were okay. And, and, uh, and so we kind of stripped down and, and got in line and, you know, took the plunge. It was probably about, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 feet. And it was cold. It was so cold, but it was, it was worth it. And, you know, my kids, <laughs> my kids wanted to jump in, but I, it was a little too, the current was too strong for them. So I let them just kind of wade sure. in the water a little bit. And so it was just, awesome. it was really pretty. And I think my favorite part about the whole thing was I took one day to myself and I knew like the, 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 like the big, like famous trail in Glacier it's called the Highline Trail, and it goes from that visitor center, and it walks north along this ridge, um, and and it was it was like an eight mile, seven or eight mile hike, and I knew it was gonna be hard, so I just I didn't want to bring the kids with me, and so the, there's a shuttle that takes you all the way up the road, so you don't have to drive all the time, and so I took the shuttle up, the first shuttle mm-hmm. of the day, like at 6:30, and I got off and started hiking, and it was it was unbelievable, like just so so beautiful. There was goats and marmots and. Um, at one point there's an option to take this, this, it's only, I think like a mile, but it has like a, maybe a six or seven or 800 foot elevation gain up this kind of really not a really great trail. Um, and so I was like, Oh, I'll take it. It's not that hard. And I huffed and puffed all the way up to this thing, but basically it drops you in the saddle 
uh, in between two peaks and you get a glimpse of um, one of the few remaining glaciers in the park on the other side of it. And I, you're sitting there and I, I, that's where I like decided to have lunch. And I have, uh, I have one of my favorite pictures is, is just my feet hanging off this, this cliff. And at the bottom uh, is this glacier and there's this big you know, cloud. It kind of got a little too cloudy to take the pictures of it, but this big um, cloud that basically formed over the glacier because it's so cold and it just kind of hmm. sits in this valley and every once in a while it would clear. And of course I'd miss the picture and then it would fill back in and it would clear and um, wow. I had lunch up there and then walked back down and it was just, it was by far my, one of my favorite, favorite hikes um, I did last summer. And um, that kind of solidified glacier for me. And, and, you know, aside from the stuff of all, all the opportunities to go do stuff with my family and all the waterfalls and that kind of stuff, but that hike was well worth the price of admission. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it still has, yeah. I, I will, I will go back there as, as often as I can for the rest of my life. It's just, it's just a beautiful place. That is awesome. That's number one on my, on my wish list is to get to Glacier. So, well, now, now you know that um, to go see do and see. Exactly. Yeah. I'll just have to ask you for, uh, more tips and tricks as I head up there. So for somebody who's never been to any national parks, um, do you think that the Ken Burns documentary about the national parks would be like a good introduction or is it better to just get out there and see it for yourself first? If you can, if you can sit through like 10 hours of Ken Burns. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that thing's beautiful and amazing, that whole documentary. Um, yeah, I think it's a good place to start. I think there's also, we, we utilize, there's a National Parks book. Go into Amazon and find, I think it's like a na like a National Geographic book that, mm -hmm. that talks about every single national park. And it's really great. We use it all the time in kind of parks that we don't like. We're going to Petrified National Park, um, Petrified Forest next week. Um, awesome. And we don't, I don't know what to go see and do. And we only have a day to go see it. And so it's right. really great because it gives you a great map of the park, of every single park. And then it gives you like, if you only have a half a day, go do this. If you have a whole day, go do this. Yeah. If you have awesome. a couple days. So it's a really great book. You know, it's only like 15 bucks or whatever. So even if you're only, you know, going to go see a handful of national parks or if you only, you know, in, in the near term, it's a totally, totally worthwhile yeah. guide to pick up. Yeah. And one thing that you've been doing with your kids throughout, throughout all the national parks is the junior ranger program and, and they do little things to earn badges and sort of collect those. And that's an awesome way for kids to experience the parks too. Absolutely. Yeah. They, um, every national park and most, I think not if maybe all national monuments, um, do what's called a, a junior ranger program. And so you go up, you walk in the visitor center and just ask for a booklet. Most of them are like, you know, they're all school age kids. So it's usually like kindergarten through whatever high school. Mm -hmm. I think the kind of the, the sweet spot is like probably eight to you know thirteen somewhere in there, but you know we've we've got our kindergartner doing um, books and so basically every book that the every park has a different booklet and they you'll learn about the uh, vegetation you'll learn about the animals you learn about the history it's awesome because you know you get you they will swear you in as a junior ranger and you get a little plastic badge <laughs> and, um, our kids yeah. make up we're making the point of, of trying to collect as many as they can I think they're up to like 17 or 18 right now uh, you know I know we're going to show up to one of these these national monuments up here in northern Arizona and the, uh, the plant life is all going to be the same and so it's going to be like oh yeah yeah I know about that one like my kids can name almost every cactus now that there is in southern uh, Arizona <laughs> it's a great way to, to get your kids involved. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, we're going to wrap up, but if people want to find you online and they want to sort of see pictures or, or read, uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'm Jay McCarty, J M C C A R T I E. My wife is Aaron McCarty, E M C C A R T I E. She's a, 
I post more of the the landscapes. She posts more of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, uh, and then we've got a, a blog that I try and update as much as I can. It's uh, takemeonadventures.com. And we've got uh, some posts up there. We try and kind of do like a state at a time so it's not too overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of recapped some of the stuff we saw in places we got to go see and do things we got to go do. And, um, um, and there's some other miscellaneous stuff like how I work from the road, you know, internet stuff. Some of the sure. pra- more practical stuff we try and post yeah. about as well. That's good, man. Awesome. Thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Now, I know you have been dying to hear what my other two favorite national parks are. Thanks for waiting and sticking around to hear what those two were. So my number one was Rocky Mountain National Park. My number two would be the Grand Tetons National Park. Um, If you've ever seen the Ansel Adams photograph of Grand Teton with the Snake River, um, it's an unbelievable contrast of landscapes and the mountains just pop up out of nowhere. Um, on that same trip out west that I went on to the Rocky Mountains, we were at the Grand Tetons and we stayed at a lodge. And for a middle schooler, this was the worst thing ever. There was no television in the entire place, um, which was awful, but actually turned out to be wonderful because it forced us outdoors. And at the time, I didn't appreciate it, but now I'm so thankful for those experiences. And then my number three favorite national park would be Acadia National Park, which is actually in Maine. Um, You know, I didn't spend a ton of time there. It was on a trip when I was in uh, maybe my junior year of high school, Um, but I loved it because I had an experience then going ocean kayaking with my dad. Um, We were in a two-person kayak with, you know, a handful of other people and a guide. We shoved off and, you know, within 15 minutes, we were actually at a place where the, the fog was so thick off the coast that we turned around and we couldn't see land at all. And so we were dependent on our guide to get us where we were going the old fashioned way with a map and a compass. And I will never forget that experience being out in the middle of the ocean and not being able to see anything and just doing that with my dad and being able to go out um, and enjoy nature in Acadia National Park. So those are my top three, Rocky Mountain, Grand Teton, Acadia, but there are so many great places all across this nation. I'd love to hear from you. What are your three favorite national parks that you've been to and even ones that you'd love to go to but haven't had a chance to go to yet? You can share that with us on Twitter at List3Things with the number three. You can also find us at our website, List3Things.com. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes. And just this week, Google Play is now hosting podcasts, so you can subscribe there as well. Thanks for listening, share the podcast, and we will be up with a new list of three things in two weeks.